Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. John Miller, he's the host of the Locked on Mizzou podcast, all things Missouri, and in this specific case, talking about Missouri basketball. And John, appreciate you joining us, man. How are you doing this afternoon? Well, I'm doing pretty gar- darn well, except for the uh, Trevin Brazil news. I'm not quite as excited as all of you and uh, Razorback Nation are at the moment. Well, I can we can understand that for sure. And that's kind of where I wanted to start with you as well, is just why is that? Because, listen, transfers are going to happen with every program, no matter if you're good or going through transitions or whatnot. But why is it this particular player something that uh, Missouri fans are pretty upset by losing him? Well, I'll just say uh, from my perspective, as somebody who watched, obviously, what was, you know, not the most fun Missouri basketball season in history, to say the least. Obviously, we weren't all that good this season. But the thing you had to hang your hat on, if you did follow this team the whole year, to me was Trevin Brazil was a guy who has just a tremendous amount of talent and ability and also showed a lot of improvement as the season went along. So it's just really disappointing to see that he's not going to be in the Missouri fold next year. And and frankly, it's a little bit harder to realize, oh, man, we're going to have to play against this guy in Columbia and Fayetteville next year. So what is it that Brazil does best? What were you most impressed by? Well, number one, just defensively, as you said before, I mean, he's such a a unique, special athlete at that height at 6'9", 6'10", whatever his official measurement is. The guy can just protect the rim without question. He's a special athlete. On the, at the other end of the court, too, he's able to just roll the rim, get some really special highlight reel-type dunks. But at the same time, he can also stretch the floor as a big guy, too, maybe shooting 33% from the floor from, the floor from three-point range last year. And I think, well, that's not like a number that jumps out at you for a big guy. If you can just take that extra defender out of the lane, I think that's a big deal. Yeah, because that's the thing with uh, with Arkansas, especially next year, is that they're adding freshman guys and don't really know how many players are going to be returning. Is Jalen Williams going to return and, and all that too? But it seemed like Trevin got a lot of other schools, like Kentucky may have been interested in him and, and all those things too, but it didn't seem like he was highly regarded coming out of high school. So why did that, that kind of change just in one year where suddenly it seemed like a lot more people were interested in him. Was it his game? Was it his potential? Was it just the the things you talked about? What made everyone kind of really jump on board and try to get him to come to their school? Well, first of all, he actually missed the first maybe six games of the year or so, I believe, this season with uh, what is still an undisclosed sort of medical condition or whatever. So I, I, I assume that that's all behind him at this point. But when it comes to high school and his high school rankings and his relative lack of hype, I think it mostly comes down that he was kind of a late bloomer, especially when it comes to to his growth spurt. Like he hasn't been six foot nine, however tall he is, for all that long. I think he was more of a of a perimeter player until maybe his last couple years of high school, whatever it was when he had this big, maybe five six inch growth spurt, and all of a sudden he's just got this new body to where, oh, okay, I'm playing above the rim now, but he's still retaining some of his guard skills. So I think if you would have seen this version of Trevin Brazil at 6'9", 6'10", in high school, I think he probably would have been maybe out of Missouri's reach considering how we've been the last few seasons. What were some of the games throughout the season where you saw the best of him, where you said, okay, this guy, he's, he's playing at a different level in this game? You know, that's a good question, and I I wish I had – you're kind of putting me on the spot a little bit. I don't know a a specific one game that I can point 
your listeners to. But I would just say, actually, focus more on the end of the season if, you, if you're going to really see what you're going to see out of Brazil. I think there were some Missouri fans who are trying to emotionally cope with this a little bit, saying, oh, he's just all potential at this point. I'm telling you that's not the case. He has more potential in his game for sure, but he's already a productive player right now. And to me, the last handful of games of the season, especially watch maybe those two SEC tournament games, I thought for a guy who, again, is growing into his body, becoming more of an inside player as opposed to a perimeter player, I thought he really started to figure out how to go after defensive rebounds and be more hard-nosed. And frankly, as a guy who's kind of has a laid-back personality, he showed a little bit more of competitive fire than maybe I knew that was in him at the time. Yeah, that's the thing, too, with transfers is, you know, of course they have their reasons and, and maybe it's playing time or whatever it is. But uh, what do you? What was the decision that went into his uh, transfer? Was it because of the transition of coach? Was he a Quanzo Martin guy and – didn't really feel great about Dennis Gates. Like, what, what was the situation with him and why he decided to leave Missouri? Well, interestingly enough, actually, considering Brazil was not that highly recruited out of high school, it just so happens that one of his three Division One offers along with Missouri was from Cleveland State. And, of course, Dennis Gates is now, who was at Cleveland State, is now the new Missouri coach. So you would have thought, oh, maybe that gives Missouri a good shot to possibly re- retain Brazil. But from what I'm hearing now, it's actually this has maybe been in the works for a little while now. And to be quite honest with with your listeners, and and some of some of your listeners are probably going to get mad at me for saying this, but guess what? I'm going to say it anyway. I think money had a lot to do with it. I think it was name, image, and likeness. And quite frankly, I think Trevin Brazil was like, "Hey, I'm going to put my name out there, see what it's worth." And you know what? If I were 19 years old, whatever he is. I can't say I blame him whatsoever for trying to get a little money out of this deal, but this is the whole new world. And I think he's seen, you know, Arkansas's had a fantastic recruiting class. Obviously Eric Musselman's done a really good job there, but I think we'd be burying our heads in the sand if we didn't at least acknowledge the fact that, Hey, Arkansas is doing a really good job with NIL right now. And it's paying some dividends in terms of recruiting on the basketball court at the very least. Well, and, and the thing is, is what you're saying, I don't think is going to upset most fans because we've even talked about that today. We said that, you know, listen, if it's Arkansas's NIL deal, then that's great. You should you should be happy for that because it's it's being able to produce some great players coming sure. on campus. So, but you mentioned that with Arkansas. So, what's Missouri's NIL situation like? Is it something that just from your observations has it been something that they've not embraced? Have they struggled with it, or is it just that Arkansas is doing that good of a job? You think? I mean, you know, again, so much of this stuff is just brand new. And, you know, at this point, I have to assume, certainly at least in basketball, it seems like Arkansas has whatever it is, whatever name, image, and likeness collective that your alumni base has set up, whatever. It just seems like they're further ahead than Missouri at this point. On the other hand, Missouri was also able to get Luther Burden on the football field, a St. Louis kid number one player in the country, according to some, certainly the number one receiver, according to most. And does that happen without name, image, and likeness? You know, based on what I'm hearing, I'm not so sure it would have. So it just seems like the football side of things is maybe just farther ahead of basketball in Missouri, too. And a lot of that just has to do with the interest, I'm sure. When coaches leave, especially for basketball, sometimes you have about half the team in a portal. So what is uh, the roster looking like shaping up for next year? For the Tigers, you know, at this point, it's it's really in flux. I mean, we're having a lot of transition for sure. I mean, there's been 
multiple guys that Tonzo Martin brought in last year as new guys have already entered the portal. So, yeah, I mean, and Gates, Dennis Gates, the new coach, despite actually Nat not having hired an assistant coach yet, has already got a couple recruits in the fold. So, I mean, it's all a big mystery at this point. I think Missouri still has probably at least three or four spots they're going to they're gonna fill. So, you know, your guess is as good as mine there, quite honestly. <laughs> this is the new transitory world of college basketball. Yeah, that's kind of going to lead me into my next question about Dennis Gates. Uh, Missouri basketball, they, they've had some ups and downs, and, you know, they've struggled. Quanzo Martin had, had some moments here and there, but obviously trying to start fresh with Dennis Gates. So what's – the excitement, what's the vibe right now for Missouri basketball? Are fans pumped up that about this hire and about the direction? Just what's the mood right now with Missouri basketball? Well, I, I think, you know, it's interesting. I think there were some fans who were, frankly, a little bit unrealistic and were hoping for maybe a bigger name than, than Dennis Gates, maybe a guy who's a sitting sort of high major basketball coach. But I think you've seen the rest of the SEC hires with the exception of Georgia, of course, who hired Mike White from Florida, who Florida had kind of gotten sick of, apparently. Everybody else, whether it was LSU, South Carolina, Missouri, they all hired essentially guys from the mid-major ranks. So while there was sort of an initial reaction of maybe some of the less informed part of the fan base that was upset about the whole thing, I think as time has gone along here, I think people are starting to realize, like, okay, there actually is a lot of reasons for optimism about this guy. He's done a really good job as an assistant long time under Leonard Hamilton at Florida State. He has a great reputation in the game as a, as a good mind, a good recruiter. So at this point, I don't blame anybody for taking a show-me attitude. But at the same time, there's no reason to be dismissive of Coach Gates at all. So I would say the overall attitude in Columbia right now is probably one of cautious optimism. So what was the feeling as far as Conzo Martin moving on? Were some fans still hanging on saying, they felt like he needed more time, or for the most part, they just felt like it was time for a change? You know, sadly, I think, I think most people thought it was time for a change, and I'm among those people for sure. So, so I say sadly just because I think everybody liked Tonzo Martin as a human being. I think we all wanted it to work out. But unfortunately, again, especially in this new world that we're all living in of name, image, and likeness, and apparently – you can just transfer without consequence whenever you want. I don't know that we're ever going to get that horse back in the barn. If that's the case, then you got to have less patience with your coaches, to be brutally honest, because this whole idea of, well, it takes three or four years to rebuild, that's just not really the case anymore. And we sort of saw what Conzo Martin did this past year with resetting the roster, and it just didn't work out. His talent evaluation was just subpar, to be honest with you. So, to me, there just wasn't a whole lot of hope for the future. and I, I, I supported the move. I really did. Well, you mentioned Missouri, obviously, with the basketball program and, and what they went through with Quanzo Martin. I've always just been curious about them because it's like here at Arkansas, I think most people would, would say that the it's a it's a really historic basketball program. Musman's obviously elevated that back-to-back -back Elite Eight, so people are kind of feeling like Arkansas is where they need to be as far as a program standard. But for Missouri basketball, what's kind of the – expectation in the standard for fans is it you know being that team that's constantly in the mix for a championship is it just getting to the tournament pretty consistently like what's the overall standard for fans in Missouri basketball well you know I think just about any fan base from my experience since I've been around this sport for a few decades now seems like every fan base sort of wants 
expect the the best version of what they've been. And you kind of made my point by what you just said there. You're like, oh, we've made back-to-back elite eights at Arkansas. This is where we're supposed to be. Well, that's a really high standard, to be honest with you. And don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with having high standards. My point is that Missouri, I think our standard is basically where Norm Stewart had this program back in the day. Now, don't get me wrong, at one point, Missouri won four straight league titles in the 80s. Now, I'm not saying we have to win the, the SEC every single season. More like, hey, we want to be at least in the NCAA tournament or in the mix the majority of the time. I, I think that's that's a fairly realistic goal at Missouri. It's a, high, it's a, it's a somewhat high goal, but I, I don't think it's unrealistic whatsoever. So I think as long as you're in the tournament more often than not and pretty much in the mix more often than not, I think you'll probably be pretty happy. Most Missouri fans will be pretty happy with you as a coach. On the radar with uh, possible transfers and looking into the transfer portal, there's some talk about Xavier Penson possibly returning. So uh, (laughs) what do you you think of that whole uh, thought that Xavier Penson could possibly return to Missouri? Well, that would be something, wouldn't it? And I'm still a little bit skeptical on that. You know, Penson has been active on social media, kind of courting the attention of some other schools too, let's put it that way. So, I'm not going to be dismissive of that possibility. And considering how bad Missouri was at ball handling last year, they could have absolutely used the lead ball handler. Hey, Pinson would have definitely fit the bill for sure. So I would take him back for sure. At the same time, that would be very, very strange and bizarre. And, and sort of interestingly enough, I think if you see LSU played – Missouri and Baton Rouge last year. I think if they play in Columbia and he maybe hears the Boo Birds a little bit on his return, I don't know how much of a possibility that is. So maybe the schedulers gave us a little bit of a reprieve there. Yeah, because it seems like it's happened in a few cases. Because I know here at Arkansas, and this is probably somebody that you are familiar with, was Jimmy Witt. Where that's right. Yeah, he he came to Arkansas as a freshman. Hickman Zone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, came to Arkansas as a freshman, left and then came back as a senior. And here's the right. thing, like, as Razorback fans, I think most people were kind of like, uh, okay, uh, sure, yeah, come on back, I guess. And then when he performed pretty well, it's amazing how much people don't even care, don't even remember that sure. he left. And I'm sure it would be, if Xavier Pinson came back, I'm sure it would kind of be the same way if he performed well, where everyone would be like, hey, we don't even care that he left in the first place. We just care that he's playing well right now. You're right. I think bygones would be bygones for sure, again, especially if Missouri could – find themselves back into the Selection Sunday mix next year, yeah, I think all would be forgiven for sure. But it's definitely a strange situation. If that really were to happen, especially because unlike Jimmy Witt, that was just a a one-year sort of sojourn and and within conference, too. That's the other strange part with no sit-outs in between. You'll have to forgive me. I don't remember where Jimmy Witt went in between his Arkansas stints, but it wasn't to another SEC school. I'm pretty sure of that. SMU. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, again, it was almost like Jimmy Witt was kind of out of sight, out of mind, whereas Xavier Pinson's like, oh, you're going to play against us now? Really? So, I don't know. Kind of a strange situation for sure. So, overall, what can this Missouri team do to uh, improve upon what they what you've seen the past couple of seasons? I mean, quite frankly, they just got to get better talent. That's all there is to it. For as much talk as there was, some people didn't like Tonzo Martin, the game day coaching, is this or that, this or that, X's and O's, maybe his, his inbounds plays weren't the greatest. That was one complaint I had pretty consistently until the last maybe year or so. But to me, 
just too often he would take he took too many guys that were just zeros. It's not it's one thing to not to miss out on the five star talent, but just to then take guys who then don't end up being productive players at all. I can think of probably four or five guys right off the top of my head who would fit that description. And over time, that just starts to bleed out the depth of your roster. And I think ultimately, that's what cost Conzo his job here. Let me ask you this, because this is something we have people talk about or call in or, or however here on the show throughout the year. So I'm going to ask you, being the Mizzou guy, is Arkansas Missouri's rival? Like, is it is it the rivalry? Is Missouri still about Kansas? Like, because we know how people react here in Arkansas, but how do you feel that Missouri looks at Arkansas as far as rivalries go? You know, it's a good question. As far as SEC teams go, I think you can make a strong case that Arkansas is Missouri's biggest rival. But to be perfectly honest with you, Kansas is always going to be Missouri's biggest rival. There is so much history there that goes back to literally the Civil War. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's uh, the, the culture of this place. We're, we're just always going to hate Kansas, even, even when we didn't play them for practically a decade. It's just always going to be that way. It's just that's never going to change. And even especially since Missouri and Kansas, they started up their basketball series again this past December. They're going to play in Columbia again this coming December, I believe. So now that's getting fired back up again. I just don't see any way that Arkansas is ever going to get past that. Having said that, you know, the Trevin Brazil thing, hey, that adds something. Mike Anderson back in the day, that added something, certainly on the football field. You guys got Trey Williams from Missouri. By the way, can you all send some transfers our way at a certain point, or is this just a one-way relationship at this point? Yeah. But seriously, all that stuff definitely matters, and the Arkansas game is certainly a draw at Columbia, no doubt about that, but it's never going to be Kansas. That's for darn sure. I'd be curious what you all have to say about it, though. Yeah, it's kind of viewed the same way here in Arkansas, where I would I would be lying if I said that there wasn't any sort of people that say ah, we don't like Missouri and all that. But when it comes to like the definition of a rival, it's more like Arkansas cares more about beating LSU in a lot of sports, sure. maybe even A and M because of, there's a lot of history there too. And it just felt like, and I don't know if Missouri felt the same way, especially in football, where there was nobody left between the schools of the SEC, so they're like, ah, Arkansas, right. Missouri, let there you go. We'll just pair you guys together. Yeah, and it makes geographical sense. And certainly there is some history there, especially in basketball. You know, Missouri and, you know, the Norm Stewart and Corliss Williamson, uh, you know, those years, Mm -hmm. those were some pretty entertaining. You know, Scotty Thurman, those teams that that made the Final Four, won the championship, all that stuff. I mean, those were some really fun fun battles and eras. So there is some history there. But, yeah, yeah, I think uh, you guys are pretty spot on. I think Missouri and Arkansas fans are pretty simpatico there. Yeah. I know a lot of people hate – uh, the football coach up there at Missouri now, uh, Drinkwitz. There's been some. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, even though he's from Arkansas, come on. Yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't. The uh, yeah. Apparently, <laughs> hey, listen. Malzahn's from Arkansas too, man. And not many people have a lot of love for him here either. So it's just kind of the way it goes, man. But hey, John, yeah, we appreciate. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, man. We'll be catching up with you. All right. Hey, thanks for the invite, y'all. Anytime.